Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 970 of the Juicebox podcast. My voice has extra timber tonight. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? <clears throat> yes, sir. Let's go. Today I'm speaking with Stephanie, who has had type 1 diabetes for a very long time, and her pathway to pumping the insulin she used and for how long, it's a really fascinating story. I hope you uh, I hope you settle in and listen. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. For those of you who do not live in the tri-state area in the Northeast, don't be scared. Stephanie's not in the mob. She just lives in New York. Don't let her accent frighten you. If you're looking for community around your diabetes, check out the private Facebook group. It's absolutely free. Juicebox podcast, type 1 diabetes. But you don't have to have type 1. You could have type 2, be a caregiver. doesn't matter to me. Everybody's welcome. Get yourself five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your first order of AG1 when you use my link drinkag1.com forward slash juice box. And you can save 40% off your entire order at cozyearth.com when you use the offer code juice box at checkout. Bum, 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 bum. This episode of the juice box podcast is sponsored by the contour next gen blood glucose meter. Learn more and get started today at contournext.com forward slash juice box. I uh, had an opportunity overnight to use the contour uh, twice last night, and it holds up. You know what I'm saying? Like, Arden has gone to college, and she's come back now, but boom, boom, like riding a bike. Click, click, bang, bang, zing, zing. I got a number. Boo, easy. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. You want accuracy. You want a contour meter. Hey, for the first couple of minutes, Stephanie's using a different headset. We fixed it, started over. So there's a cute little conversation with her daughter in there. Couple of quick words, and then we start, and it sounds better. I'm telling you, it sounds better. Make it through the first couple of minutes. I think that's what I'm saying. Hey. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Let me just make the volume a little louder here. Okay. Do you want me to keep talking? So you know. No, it's it's fine. I can do it. My husband's a, a programmer, so he's got all fancy things. So I got it right on the keyboard. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, he has fancy headphones too. So give me one second. You're fine. Take your time. <laughs> okay, there we go. That's the volume button. <laughs> Testing. You feel good about it? Yeah, that's good. Great. Excellent. Thank you. I just want to say I just turned around and my eight-year-old is staring at me right now. What? <laughs> You want to say hi? I'm sure you can say hi here. Put the headphones and say hi quick. Hi. Hey, man. What's your name? Emma. Oh, Emma. Hey, Emma. I didn't know you were a girl, or I wouldn't have said, hey, man. I would have been like, hey, how are you? You're How old are you, Emma? Eight. Eight. I used to be eight. <laughs> it happened to me. Everyone's eight, everyone's eight at a point. <laughs> yes. You, you know what point that is? When you're... Yeah, that's exactly right. Now you're pretty smart. Probably when you're in third or second grade. Something like that. Let's just, yeah, I guess unless they leave you back a bunch of times. Yeah. Do you know any kids that didn't make it all the way to like third grade yet? Bertley. 
What? Wait, what was that? Bertley. Bertley? Is that a person? Yeah. Yeah? What happened there, do you think? I don't know. No? Does he seem... Is it a boy, Bertley? Yeah. Do you think they left him back because his name's Bertley? No, definitely not. Definitely not? Okay. All right. Do you have any things you love that you want to tell me about? Pizza. <laughs> Pizza? Where do you live? North Babylon. Where do you live? New York. New York. New York. Oh. New York, Babylon, New York. Oh, we're pretty close to each other then. We're close. Yeah. You ever get out of New York? Your parents ever let you go anywhere? We went to D.C. D.C.? Yeah, Washington, D.C. That's nice. I was just through there the other, uh, like, two weeks ago. I was picking my daughter up in college in uh, Georgia, and we stopped in D.C. for a minute on the way back. You know where Georgia is? No. No, it's because you're eight. When you're 10, you'll know. All right, do you give your parents a lot of trouble, or are you a pretty good kid? Um, I don't know. You don't know? Does that mean you're a bit, does that mean you do know and you don't want to tell me? I don't know. All right. I think I am. You think you're a good kid? Yeah. yeah, that's nice. My mom says I am. Yeah. Oh, well, if your mom says it, then it's definitely true. All right. Well, it was nice meeting you. Okay. Have a good Bye. night. Bye. Bye bye. Okay. Close the door, please. Sorry about that. Don't be sorry. <laughs> they always think they have something to say. Um, I, I get I get these notes every once in a while. People are like you should have more kids, and I'm like, mm, you don't really mean that. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> my might be interesting though she's she's very she would play off you very well oh that would be listen every once in a while it works out great it's yeah. just that some people are like my kid's really talkative and then you start talking to them I'm like i don't know where you're from that you think this kid's talkative you can't get him to say anything you know <laughs> exactly. no one's gonna listen i have advertisers <laughs> it's like i have to i have to like keep this going you yeah. realize that right yeah. yeah this can't be the last time i do it and you got to hear your kid on in a podcast <laughs> so yeah mo- exactly <laughs> most of the time it's um the the, the kids there's a, like a young girl on my schedule right now and yeah. I know it's going to be good. I've never spoken to her because she reached out to me by herself. Oh, wow. And then I was like, look, you can come on, but your parents need to know, you know, so, yeah. you know, so they like loop their parents in during emails and like they, I, I really put it on them to handle it. And then, you know, you eventually hear from the parents are like, listen, she's like 40 in her heart. Just leave her go. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, uh, it's fine. Don't yeah, worry. It's absolutely fine. Just let her be on the podcast. I don't even want to hear it. It doesn't even matter. And, um, <laughs> It's interesting. And every once in a while, it turns into like um, that episode from Russia with sarcasm with like this 14 year old girl. And it was like stunning. She was diagnosed, um, got really shaky direction from the hospital, went home, recognized the the kid by herself, recognized like this isn't okay. Went on the Internet, found the podcast, listened to the podcast, went back to her parents with a list of stuff she needed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. She's like, get me one of these and one of these and one of these. And then I can't. and then put her A1C in the low sixes. That I give her credit. Oh. I couldn't do that until I was in my 30s. <laughs> All by herself. I was like, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> That's fucking amazing, you know. It's uh, like, damn. No, yeah, it was really impressive. Do you have any um questions or concerns before we start? Okay, so I know where we're at, but I'm just gonna have you start over so all the audio matches yeah. up. Just introduce yourself. And I'll say something and we'll keep going. Okay, no problem. Hi, this is Stephanie. I've been diabetic for 32 years. 
Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Thank you for helping me. Ooh, is that my CGM or yours? Yeah, no, it's probably yours. Uh, it's not mine. I didn't. I didn't mute my phone. Uh, Arden's blood sugar just went up over one twenty. She's so sick. I can't believe we've kept it this low so far today. Well, that's um, good. Yeah, she was sick at college. And then oh. we thought she was okay. We got her home. But when I picked her up, a little bit of me was like, I said to her in the car, I'm like, well, we should take you to the doctor when you get home. You shouldn't still be like coughing, you know? Yeah. And she's like, no, I'm all right. I was like, oh, okay. So uh, she was all full of herself because she got through 10 weeks at school and she, wasn't, <laughs> she was still alive and everything. She's like, I'm doing great. Are you kidding me? And then now she's been home for a couple of weeks and the other day, she had this great opportunity to go into the city for a fashion. She was going to intern on a fashion thing. Oh, nice. And the night before, she's like, I, I'm really sick. Something's wrong. So that was like Wednesday night this week. Oh, and no. by yesterday, by Friday, we were like scrambling to get her a telemedicine visit. And the guy, the doctor, like looked her over and had a long conversation with her and said, yeah, she has a sinus infection probably from, yep. from the illness, you know. So that's what I got. I just got over that. And and my daughter too, same thing. And we we're still coughing two weeks later. So just keep that in mind. It no, seems to oh. be it sticks around for a while. Listen, she's the last of us. Like it's December third. Mm. And we Cole, Kelly, and I have been sick to some degree or another since October sixth. It's it's terrible this year. Yeah, really. I used to say I was so like full of myself. Like during COVID, I'd record the show and I'd be like, listen, I mean, I'd like to go out, but I haven't been sick in like three years. This is amazing. Yeah. I didn't know what I didn't know we were gonna have to pay it all back. <laughs> the first oh my god. I didn't realize there was a ledger, you know? So I mean I work in cardiology. I'm I do medical records, nothing like patient facing or anything like that. And mm. it's oh man, like it, it, the girls some girl was out with the flu and she was like, Oh my god, you had the flu. How you like how was it? And she goes, It was worse than COVID this year. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah. we had COVID and then it turned into bronchitis. Ugh. And then the uh, antibiotics didn't work for Kelly the first time. Mm. So she went through an entire like 10 day round of something and then still needed more. Yeah. Uh, at one point, I mean, it just, it was like, honestly, like I said to a buddy of mine, he's a doctor. He's like, how's everybody doing? We were talking. I said, two weeks ago, if Kelly would have died, it wouldn't have surprised me. Yeah. Like, like that's where we were at. Like, I mean, I would have been like, don't get me wrong. Like I would have been shocked, but I wouldn't have been like, oh, I didn't see that coming because she was really in trouble. And, um, and now she's, she's starting to do better. So, and then yeah, it took a while. I got COVID in July and it took me, I was sick for the full two weeks. And then I went back to work because luckily enough, my office still offers the, you get paid for being out. And I was like, okay. And they, uh, what do you call it? I went back and I was, I was still, I think a month or two later, I was still like off. I was coughing. I was, and they're like, are you still, I went to pulmonology. I went to everything. And they're like, it's just long lasting COVID. Welcome to the world. <laughs> yeah. It really, it's just, it's, un, it's unbelievable. Like it, it, yeah. I, I've never been sick this long in my life. No, me and, neither. Yeah. And I got through this. I've not missed a podcast recording and a couple of them I was wrecked for and <laughs> am proud. Like, uh, I am proud of how well I hit it while I was doing it. So anyway, Stephanie, you've uh, had diabetes since how long? When were you diagnosed? I was April uh, 91. April 91. How old were you then? Seven. April 91, seven years old. All right, 2001, 2011, 2021. You've had diabetes for 31 years? Yep. 91 was 31 years ago? Yeah, right. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the worst thing you've said so far. And you're going to say 
more bad things as we move forward. And probably. I, and I still probably. think 91 was 31 years ago is going to be the worst part of this. So, Well, that's um, the worst when you work in like the medical field. You look at people's date of birth, and I don't work in pediatrics. So you're like, oh, this person's too young to come in. Wait, this person's 20 years old? What? <laughs> when you start scrolling, you, you know when you put your, your age into a website? And you get to your birth year and you're like scrolling and scrolling and you're like, what the hell? Yep. <laughs> you like yep. flick your finger a bunch of times before you find the 70s. And you're like, <laughs> anyway, it's not great. Um, no. <laughs> so you've had diabetes for quite some time. Uh, you're married. You have children. How many kids do you have? One. One. Uh, is there any diabetes in your immediate family besides you? No, but my mom had thyroid, which I found out actually through your podcast that that's where my link probably was, okay. was through my mother. She have Hashimoto's or did she have uh, just I honestly don't know which one, but mm-hmm. I know she had she was on thyroid medicine. She she never really told us. I think it was hyper, but I could be wrong. OK, uh, you think she was she had Graves disease, do you think? Maybe, maybe like, again, she uh, sad enough is my family doesn't talk about their health issues. I know my dad has type two. I found a meter. I was living with him for a little bit and I found a meter in his house. And I was like, hmm. And then I found out like a couple of years later that they told him he he pre he was pre-diabetic. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so your father was told he was pre-diabetic. You have type 1 diabetes. He never mentioned it to you? Nope. No. No. <laughs> okay. Italian? Yeah. What's your yes. back? Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's actually the Greek part of my family. But yeah, Italian, Greek, German, French, fascinating uh and i think that's it <laughs> really is oh irish somewhere somewhere in there i'm irish somewhere in there uh it's just i'm i i don't know i i mean maybe i just talk too much but if you came and told me something i'd come home and i'd be like oh my god listen everyone <laughs> <laughs> my dad's a very private man he always has been he's always been yeah well his podcast would be terrible <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> he just, he'd welcome everybody to go i'm not telling you anything (laughs) (laughs) i should try that one day and see if it works see if people would stay tuned in of like i'm not going to share anything of substance at all today Um, (laughs) that would be hilarious yeah Uh, okay so you've had diabetes for a really long time so you started out regular mph or no you you did yeah regular mph i had the one touch i called it the brick because it was that gray one that you had to put like a huge drop on Mm -hmm. that one and that was it that was pretty much it. And, you know, sliding scale, all that fun jazz. How old were you when you went to like a fast acting and a basal insulin? Probably <laughs> you know. 12 or I mean, you were probably younger still. I was I was on the younger side. I didn't get off R probably until after I met my husband, to be honest. So mm-hmm. we've been married over 13 years because he was the one that convinced me to go on an insulin pump. Wait a minute. Yep. You're freaking me I, out. No, I was on NNR for quite a bit of time. Like, I don't, I don't, first time I remember going on any quick acting like Humalog or anything was when I went on the insulin pump. So you were, wow, you were 18 years on it? Yep. And you're mid, and you were 25 when you, when your husband started pushing you towards other stuff. Yeah, we got married when we we both. I was twenty five. He's a couple of years older than me, mm-hmm. and so yeah, about twenty five because it was before we got married. He convinced me, so it was probably two years before then. What made him have an interest in and in, an opinion? His supervisor's son had type one, 
And I ended up, I was at his house one day and I was sitting there and I was laying on his couch and I go, I feel like crap. <laughs> I just don't feel good. And he goes, why don't you look into this pump thing? And I'm like, pump? I'm like, what? What? And he goes, and he, he was explaining it to me. So I ended up starting working with him and I talked to his, you know, his boss and his boss is like, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You need to do it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then my, I was still at my pediatrician pump therapist, which tells you, uh, my pediatrician endocrinologist was tells you uh, how long I was there. And she turned around and she goes, well, we'll get you on the Medtronic CGM. She put me on that thing and then put me on the, the pump and I never looked back. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I got off the Medtronic version very quickly, but you know, the Medtronic CGM like extremely quickly because it was terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry, Medtronic. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you know, it didn't work for me. It works for some people. Like I'm all about, Hey, do what no, works for you, but they definitely didn't work. And back then it was like a harpoon. So, you know, yeah, it was terrifying to put in. It, it's it's a tough it's a tough road to hoe when you develop a thing and the community you developed it for decides to call it a harpoon like that. Yeah, a, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but yeah, it. I was in my my twenties first time I was on into some pump, and what was interesting was I went to diabetic camp. I went from I was I think eight or nine. Mm -hmm. My mom found one, and. I went and I went for two weeks and I have a friend that actually lives right by me still. And she was on in pump. So the first time I saw it was in camp, but I never showed interest in it. So my mom never pushed me to go get it. And I just kept doing in the NNR for as long as I did. As you heard earlier, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter. But when you get a Contour meter, what you're really getting is their test strips. Contour Next test strips feature remarkable accuracy as part of the Contour Next blood glucose monitoring system. They're the number one branded over-the-counter test strips. And they, of course, have second chance sampling. Second chance sampling can help you to avoid wasted strips. Contour Next dot com forward slash juice box near the top of the page you'll see a buy now button it's bright yellow when you click on that you'll get eight options of places online to buy contour meters and test strips walmart.com amazon walgreens cvs pharmacy meyer kroger target right aid these are all links you'll find at my link linkity link links but a link blink blink link i'm just kidding head over there now won't you please listen the contour meters are incredibly accurate they are simple to use, they are easy to hold, easy to read, and they have a bright light for nighttime testing. Part of me wants to say that the second chance sampling is the biggest deal, but honestly, it's the accuracy. These meters are accurate. And I know a lot of people like to think, well, I have a CGM, I don't need a meter. You do. You need a meter, you need to be accurate, you deserve it to be accurate. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Take a look at the Contour Next Gen and the other meters available from Contour. When you use my links, you're supporting the production of the show and helping to keep it free and plentiful. Right. Wow. It's crazy. Um, yep. Okay. So I, I want to kind of get this part out of the way before we talk about the rest of your story. Of course. When, when you signed up to come on the podcast, I'm going to read you what you wrote. You said, um, I asked what you there's a question when people sign up. It says, what are some of the themes you hope to cover? Yeah. 
Your says pregnancy with type one, growing up with type one. And then you said, if you'd like, I can have my mom on with us too. She's not yeah. up on the new way that type one's taken care of. Um, yeah. But I had, and then you talked about, and I also had postpartum anxiety with my daughter. And yeah. then, so for context, I don't really, I haven't said this in a while on the podcast. As I'm setting up in the morning to talk to somebody, I look at the note they wrote. Like, I don't look at it ahead of time. Uh, yeah. But the other day, my son said to me, why Why the hell are you recording on Saturday night? <laughs> yeah. And and I was like, and I hate to say this, Stephanie, but I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I can tell you. I do a lot of, like, I do everything on the podcast. So, like, the scheduling, like, it, I, what I said was, if, if I let somebody record on Saturday night, there was a good reason. Yeah. I, I just don't remember right now. But because he asked me, I got in bed last night. Before I got in bed, I thought, I wonder why I did say yes to this. And then I started looking at your emails. And right as we were getting ready to do this, your mom passed away. Yes. Oh, I'm so, yeah. it's just, I'm so sorry. And I had, and I felt bad about the way I said to myself, like, I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> don't worry yeah, about yeah. it. Listen, you can't remember anything. The amount of podcasts you put out, I'm surprised you remember what day it is. <laughs> uh, honestly, the other we just put up a post on the Facebook group because uh, we're trying to get um, passages from the podcast that are memorable for people or, or particularly impactful for them. And I want to use them for like social media posts and stuff like that. Yeah. So I had to put up a post and say, look, you know, if, if I ever said anything or Jenny or a guest said something that really helped you or stuck with you or whatever, can you list it here? And someone put up something and said, I don't remember what episode that was. Scott, do you remember? And I responded. I was like, look, I'm really the wrong person to ask, y you know, because I'm, I'm recorded six months in advance. I just realized this morning while I was, and I was taking the dogs out, I was, I was writing a U.S. med ad in my head while I was outside <laughs> with my dogs. Um, and even that struck me as strange. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I have about 70 episodes ready to go. Like six, oh, like six months of the podcast is recorded already. The next six yep. months, and um, and I was like, Jesus. <laughs> and so anyway, they asked me where where they thought I said that. It's a weird thing to have somebody say, Hey, you said this. Do you remember saying it? I think, and I say, Oh, I do remember saying that. When? And I go, I have no idea. <laughs> it's so, like, uh... yeah, I, I couldn't begin to tell you. Uh, anyway, um, I feel terrible. Was your mom's passing a surprise? I imagine it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't. It was definitely. Um, she was pretty healthy. I mean, she, she suffered with a lot of things in the sense of like, when she was 21, she got hit by a drunk driver. So she was on a, a good amount of pain medications and stuff. And I think we had a kind of tough year. It wasn't, it, we had three deaths in the last year and a half. Oh. So, and one of them was her boyfriend and mm -hmm. he was like, her lifeline and wonderful man. Like I loved him to death. And when he passed, I think it hit her harder than anyone kind of knew. And I think she was just lonely. I think she just, she was done, you know? And I think she just kind of, they said they, when they, they found her, she was, you know, she looked peaceful and it was, you know, they figured it was natural. So it was just her time to go. I mean, wow. it sucks to be honest, but yeah. you know, you try to think, you know, she's at peace now, you know, with whatever she was dealing with, you know, but it was very sudden. How old was she? 70. Yeah. She just turned 70 in April. Her, her birthday, um, I was diagnosed on her birthday. Oh my God. Yeah. So we, we always, we always made a joke every year when I was newly diagnosed. I would do something new on her birthday, like give a shot of my own or or do something as a birthday gift to her. Uh -huh. 
So, you know. Well, I am very sorry for your loss. Can I ask you what you thought her addition to the podcast was? Why did you want her to come on? Just, it was amazing. Like, one of the reasons why I went to, like, a JDRF event before COVID, and I brought her there, and my my Dexcom goes off, and she goes, oh, what's that? You know, she knew what it was, but she's like, what does that mean? And I go, oh, well, it's uh, I'm, like, 80. And she freaked out. Like, she literally almost had a panic attack looking for a juice. And I'm like, mom, I'm okay. I'm 80 and stable. We can go in a little bit and get some fruit or something. I'll be fine. And she, it's amazing the differences because she was like, well, are you going to, I'm like, mom, it's not like when I was a kid where I would hit 80, 85 and you'd have to rush somewhere because we know where I am, where I'm not dropping. I'm not anything. And she was like, oh, and it was amazing to see how disconnected from where the care was compared to the years ago mm-hmm. where, and I mean, this was one of these women, when I got diagnosed, she went to the library and took out every single book that was diabetic and everything and did research and was like, I mean, she, I told her about the podcast a couple of years ago. I don't know if she ever picked it up to listen because I mean, it wasn't, she wasn't take, she wasn't my caretaker at the time. So I don't know if she decided to not listen to it or whatever, but she, she was all about researching it and she was OCD about it and making sure I, I got the care I needed. And she had a binder. She, you know, the differences between now, <laughs> I'll give you an example, and I always love telling this story. So when I first got the Medtronic pump and you could download it to the computer and send it to your doctor, mm-hmm. I did that and I called her and I go, I'm going to send you an email. And I sent it to her. <laughs> she looks at it and she goes, she goes, what is this? And I go, it's all my blood sugars. And she goes, did you type these all in? Because she used to do an ex- Excel and make all the, the graphs and stuff right. through Excel. And she looks at it and she goes, these have all the grab. You just plugged your pump in. And I go, yeah, like you plug it in and it downloads. She goes, you're a bitch. (laughs) I died. I was like, what? And she goes, you know how hard? And I go, listen, I'm showing it to you because I want you to see this is less of a burden on me than it was as a kid. She goes, I know, but I'm still going to call you that. (laughs) She's like, but but this doesn't help me or the time I lost to doing this at all. Exactly. Yeah, but that was the bit. thing. I mean, she would have had stories for you like you wouldn't believe of what I went through when I was a kid because yeah. she took care of all of it. I didn't, never felt like I was a diabetic when I was a kid. And that's a lot coming from those days. Like, you know, I never I don't remember ever being told I couldn't do something. Mm-hmm. What, you were, know? what were your your goals, like health goals back then? Honestly, I think my mom kept those all in her head. I think mine was just to stay alive. (laughs) You know, I don't think I ever thought, I never thought of diabetes as, you know, oh, I can't do this. I mean, I used to ride my bike all over the place and it'd be, I'd be at school and I'd ride my bike all the way to the the bowling alley, which was miles away. And she wouldn't, she wouldn't bat an eyelash. So it's like, it was the normalcy I think my mom wanted me to have. Because my sister also growing up had growth hormone problems. So she was seeing an endo prior to me. So I think there was some like, oh, well, I know what I have to do. I have to take care of her. So we already have, you know, an idea of, oh, you have to give because she was on shots. So my mom's like, oh, I got to give another kid shots, you know. But she, my my goals were just to stay healthy. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I'm trying to think 
and I never found when I was looking through the house, I was curious to see if she kept the book, which I don't think she did. But the binder had like all my A1Cs and everything like that. And I don't think I ever, and I mean, now that I look at it, A1C of what I had back then was insane. But like I had a 7.3 on NNR, which was insane. Yeah. Like, so, you know, um, back then it was like unheard of. Do you feel like you were low a lot or no? Uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't remember being like where I always had to have juice with me. I mean, my mom always did carry juice with her, but I don't remember. I did have when I was first diagnosed, actually it was like three instances. I remember having like what I consider blackout lows where I didn't remember anything or anything like that. And that was when I was first diagnosed, I was in the honeymoon period and I went to school and I got off the bus and I fell and the principal, there was like a long concrete, walkway ran up and grabbed my head before I hit the concrete. And I woke up looking at my dad trying to give me juice because he had come to the school to take care of it. And I was like the, they said that the vice principal saved me from cracking my head open because I would have fallen on the concrete. Hmm. The lows. I don't remember when I was a kid. I don't remember a lot of them. Do you remember what your imperatives were? Like what, what day to day, what were you looking for and trying to make happen or trying to avoid? I mean, I wasn't allowed to eat a lot of sugar back then. (laughs) I mean, nowadays it's a lot different. Like growing up, I had an endo that was third in the nation. So he was very ahead of his time. Mm -hmm. And like one of the things like I hear like stories from people that have had, oh, well, you couldn't have cake on your your birthday at that age. God forbid you have like any sweets. Right. And this doctor would say, listen, let her have a cupcake. Just don't give her the icing. So what would happen was like, we'd get a cake and I would eat the cake in the middle. And my mom loved icing. She was an addict for icing. She would eat the icing. So I would eat the cake and she would eat the icing. It was an always thing for us growing up. But that was the thing. Like I never had a non-normal and I don't know how she did it. I don't know how, especially with the technology that we didn't have back then. Now it's a, a feasible, like if I want a cookie or if I want this, you know, because mm-hmm. I definitely don't eat healthy now, which I should. <laughs> well, well, you know, I think it, as as people talk about living through that time with diabetes, it seems to me that you just either got lucky. Either the doctor gave you some reasonably good settings and you ate reasonably speaking, the way the doctor said you should, and those things worked, or the opposite would happen, is that people yep. weren't taking enough insulin and they were, and the food they ate wasn't covered and they had high blood sugars. Or yep. some people, but, but also the lows, you just don't hear a lot of people from that time saying, oh, I was constantly low. I think you probably learned how to eat to the insulin if you had to. Yes. Right? Yes. Does that make sense? And I do that sometimes now still. Yeah. Because that's the thing, like, especially when I was pregnant, I was like, oh, well, she wants me to eat this amount. I'm going to, okay, I'm not hungry, but I have to eat this amount of carbs during, because you have to eat more food when you're Mm. pregnant and stuff. I would, okay, I'm taking 35 carbs. I want to make sure I eat that 35 carbs and I would eat more so I wouldn't go low. Right. Because I would always have a habit of going low, like uh, during my pregnancy, no matter what time it was. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it um, that was the thing, I think, because, too, if you, you think about it, we didn't have the Dexcom. We didn't have that technology that was like, oh, well, she's going low or I see that low. How many times did she do my test? I don't know. Like if she did it 
religiously like the two hours after a meal, like they said, maybe she would have sore a low or something like that. But I don't know. I don't remember ever suffering from terrible lows. And that was the thing. I mean, I know I ran higher because it, 7.3, 7.3, you know, you definitely can tell that it was, my sugars were higher than, than mm-hmm. normal. Yeah. When did you get different technology? Like, when did you get us, I'm, I'm assuming you used this uh, Dexcom next? Yes, I used the Dexcom next. I went, so I left my pediatrician because I was talking about getting pregnant with my daughter. And, <laughs> and I... Hopefully your pediatrician said, I don't have any experience with this whatsoever. Yeah, so, my, yeah. my endo pediatrician yeah. was like, listen, he was fine seeing me. The pump therapist said, absolutely not. She was like, no. <laughs> She's like, I can't. And I'm like, okay. And I was 20. We were, Actually, it was when I got married. Before I got married, because I don't, but I know like I was talking about it. So they said, you should look for a new endo then. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I really don't want to lose you because I mean, I knew that guy from pretty much my whole childhood. Sure. And he was like, okay. He's like, no, he goes, you know, just, you got to find one. So I found one and I went in the pump therapist educator was wonderful. And I go to her and she goes, oh, well, see, you know, your old file says you have a, a Medtronic CGM. Why are you not wearing it? I'm like, cause it hurts and it's terrible. And she goes, okay. She goes, we're going to put you on a Dexcom. And I'm like, what's a Dexcom? And then she showed me the Dexcom and I would like, it was night and day. It was to me totally different with the technology and how it was applied and everything. I'm like, this is, this is perfect. And that was before the ornamentic um, inserter. It was when you had to insert it yourself. So, but I was still, I was like, okay, let's, let's try this out. And we did that. And then eventually I went from Medtronic to Animus. And I was on the Animus with her. She changed me. Mm-hmm. But the endo I got was terrible. I walked in. She looked at me and said, oh, you're okay. Get your A1C lower. And she walked out the room. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Are you in a rural area? No, yeah. I'm in I'm in pretty, uh, I'm in Long Island. So right. I'm, you got Stony Brook, you got, you got all the big hospitals, all the big doctors over here. I have like, I think in a matter of five miles i have like six endos mm-hmm. like so it's not the object i didn't have a choice so i found another one but this one was just she didn't she was like oh well you have an a1c of pipe i think at that time it was like 6.5 or 7 and she was like oh you're good don't worry i was like oh okay and you know like we you've said m- numerous times you just kind of go like oh okay i guess i'm okay right yeah well if they say so then why why not believe it why judge it yeah so, okay, so you had a CGM, they got you, you did you eventually, you moved to a pump, um, so you got a pump going now. When Do you get pregnant right around that same time? I got pregnant when I was in my 30, when I turned 30, when Emma's eight, so that's, I'm 39, so I was like. So you pumped for a few years like that with Dexcom and other stuff before you got pregnant? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Do you. When do you find the podcast? I found the podcast right after I had my daughter. Oh, wow. No yep. kidding. I found probably around or right after I had her. And the reason was I, I said, well, I got an A1C of 6.0. Why can't I get it lower? Mm-hmm. And I forget. I probably was just searching for podcasts because I have a habit of just randomly doing searches. I'm like, oh, let me see. And I saw it and I was like, oh, let me listen to it. And then that's all I've been doing. And that's how I found the podcast was just searching. Yeah. 
And did so. it? And, and I guess I, I'd want to know, like, after this whole life of, you know, using regular and then mm-hmm. trying different stuff and getting through it, you're pretty old by the time you, you know, figure out I, I could probably keep my A1C lower like this. Was the information in the podcast like new to you? Or did you the one thing the one thing that I thought was interesting that was new and this this I mean not that this will come maybe to a shocker to anyone. The first time I heard about pre bolusing was from you. And then when I brought it up to my pump therapist, I'm like, pre bolused? And she goes, You're not doing that yet? And I said, No. She goes, No wonder you're having the spikes. <laughs> Thanks. I'm like, thanks. I'm like, so then I was like, okay, so this guy knows what he's talking about. So I'm not like, you know. Well, isn't it interesting, though, that you could have, I mean, that you had diabetes for that long, heard me say, pre bolus your meals, and you thought, I don't even know if this is real or not. Like, yep. it's a it's a really, I don't know what the, I don't know what the, the apples to apples thing is here, but it, it you know, feels like you were watching football for 30 years, and then you were like, who are these Packers that everyone are talking yeah. about? Yeah. yeah, you know, it's just this, it's a strange thing to to believe is can be true, but I think it's overwhelmingly true. It is. Yeah, it's it's extremely overwhelming, and it's like, wait, there's all this information that it, oh wait, like I mean, don't get me wrong, I never ate great. Like I I generally eat whatever I want to a point, but like I never had great blood sugars, so I was like, well, I was able to get a six point zero. How do I keep this? Do I still have to eat the diet of being a pregnant woman and like, you know, eating, I had every day half a peanut butter jelly sandwich, cucumbers and something else, uh, probably broccoli or something that was like what they consider, and I'm putting quotations up, free foods, you know, and that's what I ate for nine months for lunch every day because it didn't, it didn't do anything to my blood sugars. It didn't do anything. And that's what I was advised to eat. So I ate it. Right. So basically, even... All that time into diabetes, you still don't really know what you're doing, but you get no. you get to be pregnant and people say to you, look, you have to keep your A1C lower. It's going to hurt the baby. And yep. so instead of there wasn't even a thought in your head that there's a way to use this insulin where my A1C will be lower. It's all about it was all about the food to you. Yes, it was. Okay. And then I realized it wasn't <laughs> like it's me. It's interesting. I mean, it's really interesting. I find it fascinating, honestly. So, okay, so you start pre-bolusing your meals and, you know, doing things like that. And then you start expanding what you were eating and starting to learn that different foods needed different amounts of insulin. Yeah. Didn't just mean the carbs. And and you just grew it from there. And you really, you found the podcast in the very beginning, too. Yeah. And I listened to, I think, majority. I found it and I was like, I'm going to listen to it. And like, I think I listened from when I went. And then I went back and listened to the older ones. Wow. And I was like, because I think I take after my mom. I'm like, I want research. I want information. I want to know, okay, if this is something, because health changes constantly. Like the healthcare, oh, well, this is good for you. This is bad for you. And I'm like, you know what? Let's let's try this, you know, and yeah. see what happens. In my lifetime, I've heard um, news stories that completely contradict each other. Oh, yeah. On health things. Like, you have to do this. And then, like, 10 years later, they're like, well, you know, have to was probably pretty strong. And then, you know, five years after that, they're like, you don't do that. (laughs) It's like, wait, didn't you just tell me to do that? Right. (laughs) But still, I blame, listen, as I'm listening to your story, a little bit has to be blamed on staying with a pediatric endo for so long. I kind of agree with that, that I look back because I know they were very heavy on diet, like, 
you can't be eating this. You can't be eating that. Like they were very heavy on making sure I didn't go out and have three cookies in a sitting or, you know, everything like that. But my endocrinologist wasn't like that. So my, like my pump therapist and the nutritionist, because I remember going to the pump therapist and her saying, because it was when I got the Medtronic and I was like, I forget how much insulin I was taking. And it was higher than she felt was normal. And I said, she goes, you're going to end up 300 pounds if you keep eating like this. And I was like, well, is it the food or is it the object of the amount of insulin I'm taking? Because again, then you get in your head, oh, well, the insulin's making me gain weight. I swear to you, it. that's fascinating how that perpetuates over and over and over again. Yep. That it, the idea that insulin makes you gain weight it mm-hmm. is just, it's silly. And, and, and insulin helps you store what you've eaten, yeah. right? You still have to eat it. <laughs> so it, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just it's fascinating to think that that perpetuates still. And to this day, I have to on the Facebook group, I have to three times a month jump mm-hmm. jump into a, a post and say, "Hi, uh insulin doesn't make you gain weight. Calories make you gain weight. I'm not comfortable with what you just said here. Like don't give people the idea that this is how you start eating disorders because people get into that idea of like, well, I can't use insulin. So they start, they start modeling their, their intake around trying not to take any insulin at all because they get confused because then when the insulin number goes up, they go, see more insulin. And I gained weight. Well, no more food, more carbs, more calories. And then you had to use more insulin. Then you gained weight just like everybody else would have who ate, you know, five gallons of ice cream a day. So yeah. Well, exactly. That's the thing. I, I, I dated a gentleman for a while. He struggled with his weight for a while. And he thought a diet was get fat-free ice cream, but eat the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> but it's fat-free. It's yeah. But it's fat-free. No, no, right. it's, it doesn't work. that You know, and I, I tried, my profession originally was going to be into culinary. I went to culinary school, a certificate course, whatever. And then I came out of it and I wanted to become a diabetic educator because it was something I was interested in. So I went to school because you have to do this and that, like all all the different schooling. So I decided to be a dietetic tech first. So I went into nutrition. And there's so much in the nutrition background that you learn that it's insane. Not that I ever finished it because I had my daughter and I never went back until maybe when I'm older and she's able to (laughs) care for herself. Yeah. But um, I learned so much in the sense of because this, I think, was one of the reasons I found your podcast more quickly, too, is I was in the room and I I said, we have to present one day. And I said to the teacher, I said, hey, we're learning about diabetes. Can I present my stuff? And she goes, what do you mean your stuff? And I go, my pump, my like, I'll bring in supplies and I'll present it and answer questions to anyone. And they're like, yeah, sure. Like whatever. So it was amazing how many people didn't know anything. Yeah, but it's not that amazing, Stephanie, because you've just described it for decades. You didn't know what you were doing. And and then you said to yourself, you know what I should do? I should be a diabetes educator. (laughs) But you didn't even know what you were doing for yourself half the time. But that's the thing. I thought I I knew That's my point. (laughs) And that's the difference. (laughs) I thought. Thought I knew crap, and I knew nothing. Everybody <laughs> listening is going to look at their next time they go to their CDE, they're going to look and they're going to be like, mm, "Did you not know what you were talking about and decide to become my CDE?" <laughs> <laughs> but now that's but, I yeah, find no, that fascinating. And- like it really is. I mean, that's just something else. You know what I mean? Like, like you you literally 
you describe like, look, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was managing everything with food. I didn't understand how insulin worked really at all. And that, and then, mm-hmm. you know what I thought to do? I'll be a diabetes educator. Like, holy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because like, food, food's everything. That would literally be like if right now I was like, I could probably build a rocket. <laughs> so, I can't, by the way. Uh, yeah. And I, I, and I know very little about it. So, oh, wow. That's really something else. Honestly, I find that story fascinating. Yeah, yep. no kidding. So, so you find the podcast and you pull things together. Like, were you able to accomplish the things you were hoping for? I mean, I'm still definitely struggling with lows, which I've noticed, and I think it's just because now that I have the insulin, and I'm like, well, I don't need to be afraid of this. I think I jumped too quickly, so my my thing just went off, and I'm at 150, but I ate an hour ago, so I'm like. Uh, it was high fat. Do I cover? Do I not? Like I, but instead of just putting one unit in, I'm putting like three or four. I have to, I think, dial it back that I'm not so aggressive yeah. with it because I've had the, and with everything going on with my mom and this year and everything, I think the stress is starting to weigh on me because I've had at least three bad low episodes. Is this um, because are I you actually stress had- eating and then? Using a lot of insulin? Yeah. Yeah. That that's definitely I think what the issue is. I'm like, oh well, I'm eating all this these carbs and these sugars and these everything. And I'm like, oh, I'll just cover for it. And then four hours later, I'm dropping to the point where like it happened this afternoon, which I was like, Oh great. What a day to have this happen. I had to because my daughter, I'm a big believer in her understanding what I have because it is genetic. So if she gets it, I want her to see that you'll Mm -hmm. be okay. So there was a book I got. It was um, Why Mommy Beats. Okay. That's literally the name of the book. And it's about a woman that has an insulin pump and why it goes off. And this is why. And it's very, it's for a very young audience. And so one of the parts is if, if mommy needs to sit and drink a juice, you have to let her Mm -hmm. basically. And so when I was having this episode earlier, I turned to her because my husband goes, Stephanie, go downstairs and get a juice. Because I was getting to the point where he's like, you're getting crazy. Go, go mm. get a juice. And I told her, I said, Emma, can you go get me a juice? And she knows. She goes, runs, gets me my juice. And, you know, she doesn't get scared. She just brings it over and he's here, mommy. Right. Drink it for me. So, like, that's that's the thing is, like, one of the big things for me is that I have to learn that if I'm 150, I'm not going to die because th- there's been a couple episodes recently that you did that you talked that, well, if you go up to 140, 150, you're okay as long as you come mm-hmm. back down. And that's the thing. Like in my head, I'm like, well, I'm 150. Oh my God, I need to take six units to, to get my blood yeah. sugar down. But that's not always the case. Can I share something with you? Yeah. Uh, this is the eighth. Like we, I'm a few weeks away from the eighth full year of the podcast being over. And I'll start yeah. the ninth year of the podcast. So in 2015, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying to make a podcast. And I'm the one thing that was consistent, has been consistent throughout the entire time is I named the podcast episodes very, like, it's not haphazardly, but I listen through the episode. If I mm-hmm. hear something, I'm like, that was funny, or that makes sense, or it has something to do with this. I'll make this episode title Chicken Thighs, uh, you know, and then, you know, and I know that. <laughs> that was a good episode, by the way. <laughs> lovely. And, um, yes. And so. I'm listening back to this episode in the beginning, back when I did a lot of like single mic stuff where I would just talk about diabetes stuff. 
And I listened through this one. And while I was talking, I said, I guess I just learned how to be more bold with insulin. And I called the episode Bold mm -hmm. with Insulin. And um, then I've told this story before, but years later, I started seeing people online say, oh, I'm trying to be more bold with insulin. And I was like, that can't be like a coincidence, right? And then I started realizing yeah. it was a phrase that people kind of clung to and they liked and they were sharing. But the problem is, is that I never got to say, you know, when I said I, I was trying to find a way to be more bold with insulin, I didn't mean like unsafe or not thoughtful with insulin. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I didn't mean yeah. just like willy nilly, just throw a whole bunch in and see what happens. I do think that people understand that from listening. But at the same time, when you're trying to find a way to be more aggressive because you think you're not using enough insulin, a lot of times people don't have context for how much more and they can just be more aggressive and they can start having that feeling that you that I think you're describing, which is that any any kind of a rise after a meal, I must have done something wrong. But that's not that's not always yeah. the case either. You know, so yeah. Because I know I had a high fat meal. Right. So I'm like, you know what, that's probably why it's hitting me now. And give myself two units instead of the yeah. <laughs> the, the right. six or uh right. seven, you know. I bump it down a little bit. Don't don't like yeah, you, yes. you, you, know, you shouldn't be running at it like you're in a Hobbit movie with a hatchet or something like that. Like just like <laughs> screaming and swinging a blade like i'll get it like just be a little more bold be a little bold i don't know do people not know what bold means <laughs> anyway so you're figuring that part out so you're in a weird situation you're stressed out you're eating it doesn't sound like you're eating it doesn't sound like you're having celery and then um <laughs> and and you're being more aggressive you're seeing a spike being aggressive again probably because the spike's making you feel like oh i don't want this to happen and then you're getting low afterwards, which is going to cause you to eat more food, which is going to, yeah, you're going to have mm -hmm. to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's always, that's even before the podcast, that was always an issue that I had when I first got on a CGM was, and I mean, people I've heard on the podcast and other people that I've, I've heard in diabetic groups that I'm a part of have always said at first, when you get the technology, you're looking at these numbers and seeing, oh crap, I'm going up to something and you're panicking. And I think in my head, because of highs to me, scare me more than lows. And I don't know why, like I can deal with it okay, here's a juice box. Like literally I have a juice box on the desk right now. So if I went slightly low, I could drink the juice box while I was right, on the right. podcast. I am very conscious of keeping things around me. But when you're high, it takes another two, three hours to bring it down from a yeah. 200, you know? So I think that's where my problem is that I have to realize if I'm 150, 160, let's see what happens. Let it, if it doesn't level out after the 160, then give yourself mm -hmm. a couple units like don't let it but if it's two hours up that's don't even get me started i, I rage bowl this constantly <laughs> so what ends up happening are you miscalculating how much insulin you need for the meal or are you not like covering it the way you should be is it a pre-bolus issue i probably am not covering it the way i should be because of the high fat because okay. i'm still the the extended bowl because i'm on a mm -hmm. t-slim so it's has that Control yep. IQ, which when I first went on the control IQ, I lost it. <laughs> lost it on my my pump therapist. I felt so bad to her because I just lost it. I'm like, I have an A1C of 5.4. This thing is screwing me up. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, it's making my sugars high. 
And she's like, oh, let me look. And, you know, we, we had to change a bunch of stuff when I changed over the, the, the yeah. control IQ because everything, my levels weren't right. You know, my, my basil and bolus, all, all that, it was all off. So no, it just, it, it, the highs, that's what scares me the most. I can deal with a low. And I think what happens is when I have these high, high fat meals, especially recently, it's usually eating mm-hmm. out, which I mean, I, the, the, when the podcast you were talking about your daughter going to college and eating the food there and it's, it's similar, it's like eating yeah. out all the time. And that's what I've been doing because I don't feel like cooking, <laughs> you know? Well, so, it sounds like, you know, what's happening. You just have to yes. kind of, yeah. you know, yeah, figure it out. Gotta, yeah. I think you figured it out. I think you have to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, that's that's the problem. It's like, Err. well, I, well, that's inter- it's. I'm glad you know. At the very least, I'm glad you see it. And you understand yeah. what's happening and and how you could make adjustments to it. So, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Um, you said earlier you joked, but you have ADHD. Yes, I have ADHD and anxiety. How does that play into your diabetes? I don't think the ADHD. I think growing up was more an issue. I think I have a little bit more control over it now. The issues that I find with it is if I'm doing something else. So if I'm making dinner and I'm like, okay, it's it's 15 minutes before I have to take mm-hmm. my insulin. But if I'm cooking, I totally forgot. Like I literally set it a timer sometimes because I have to make sure that if I'm cooking, that I take my insulin the 15 minutes before dinner's ready. Because if I don't, then I have the high blood sugars. So that's the biggest factor i think the adhd and memory the the remembering to do things like oh did i take my insulin and then i mean luckily now with the pump you can kind of look oh okay i have i have stuff right. on board and it's the amount i should have taken but it's just remembering to pre-bolus that's the biggest issue and my endo gave me i forget which it which quicker acting quick acting insulin he gave me recently to try in the pump can't remember it for the life of me now. See, here you go. <laughs> I think I should um, start a line of um, trivets or potholders that say, it smells good. Have you pre-bolused? <laughs> I yeah. would totally buy that. <laughs> I joked around. You I joked around all. the other day and I made, um, I, I, you know, I have a place where it's a company that makes the merchandise that I sell for the podcast. And they, they bring out new stuff once in a while. And one of the things was a candle. And I just put the word pre-bolus on a candle. And I just did it to put it in the group to be like, hey, everybody, don't forget to pre-bolus. And so many people were like, <laughs> I would buy that candle. And I was like. <laughs> but what would it, it smell like? What does pre-bolusing smell but like? It was, it was, a, it was a, a, just a wax candle. Like a, it, 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 it oh, okay, okay. Like anything. <laughs> uh, but it was just the idea that like, people like, I would I, I could use a sign for my refrigerator. I could. Yeah. And, I, and I, I take their point. Like, it's, I don't know that that's even ADHD, to be perfectly honest with you. It's yeah. probably not. It's, you know, I mean, the, and two, there's been, there's so much research into ADHD and factors on like people hear ADHD and they think about a kid that's running around like a right. crazy person. But now they've sected it into different. I'll email, I can't remember the woman's name that I've listened to. I'll have to email it. You can put it in the, the link mm-hmm. if you want or, or something. But she she's ADHD herself, and there's so much more to it that people don't realize. Because, I mean, you could be extremely intelligent with it, 
but you're just, it's just your focus. It's not even the, your focus. It's, I don't know how to explain it. Like my, my issues are getting distracted in the sense of like, I'll drop my clothes on the floor, even if the hamper is mm-hmm. next to me and that kind of thing. Like there's a disconnect from that into the hamper. So that's, so my stuff, I think, because I grew up with the diabetes, it doesn't, the ADHD and the diabetes don't really affect each other too much. I don't usually have too many issues. I'm getting to the point where every time somebody tells me about ADHD, it sounds, I start thinking like, that just sounds like being a person to me, you know? (laughs) Well, I'll have to send you the link because that's what a lot of people are are saying, but there's more to it than most people realize because it's not, because people, people forget things and the difference is, is it affecting your daily mm-hmm. life? Is it affecting your every day, like where you're losing your keys every day or you're losing, you know, stuff like that? I don't like know where that. my glasses are right issue. now. I haven't known for four days. So. Well, there you go. <laughs> but but here's, the, here's the thing. I'm sick. Kelly's sick. Arden's sick. Cole's sick. Right. There's four mm-hmm. sick people in our house. Um, there's, I have a job. Kelly has a job. Cole's looking for a job. Mm-hmm. Arden's home from college. There's things she's trying to get done. And I obviously took my glasses off and put them down somewhere and can't find them anymore. Is it possible we're all just trying to do too much? Like, You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying ADHD doesn't exist. Be. I'm just saying that at this at this yeah, point yeah. now, ADHD is like, it's like hair. Everybody I meet is like, I have that. Well, yeah, it's very right? common. So, it's extremely so, common now. So I'm wondering, like, are we just diagnosing everybody that can't find their glasses or... <laughs> you know, or is or is there something we didn't know that we know now? Or except, I mean, I don't know. I it's just interesting to me. Yeah, this this woman that I I listened to on uh, YouTube, she talks about it, and I wish I can. This is part of my ADHD. My short term memories are really terrible with remembering names. Like it has to be a name. So I started a new job mm-hmm. a year ago. There's four people at my job that I know their name. Fair enough. And the only reason I know they're, and this is like a hospital setting, like there's hundreds of people I see daily. There's like four or five people that I know their name and I know like, you know, whatever. And I deal with them daily. But the difference is their names I've heard before. They absorb quicker. If I have a person that has an uncommon name for a year, I won't memorize your name. I'll be like, hey, you. (laughs) I'm going to, I don't know if this is a real thing. I feel I'm Googling something. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I heard something one time. Yes. Okay. So there's something called Dunbar's number. Dunbar's number is a suggested cognitive limit to the number of people from whom one can maintain stable social relationships. Hmm. Relationships in which an individual knows who each person is and how each person relates to another person. This number was first proposed in nineteen in the nineteen nineties by a British anthro Robin Dunbar. That shouldn't have been surprising to me. Who found the correlation between primate brain size and the average social group size by using the average human brain size and extrapolating from the results of primates, he proposed that humans can comfortably maintain about 150 stable relationships. There is some evidence that the brain structure predicts the number of friends one has. Though causality remains to be seen, Dunbar expanded it informally as the number of people you would not feel embarrassed about joining uninvited for a drink if you happen to bump into them at a bar. I don't know. I'm just saying. Maybe you know. took that. Maybe you took that <laughs> new job and you already know 150 people, and you're like, uh oh. <laughs> it's like I'm done. <laughs> no way I'm. Re- There's no way I'm remembering you, mother. 
person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no, nope. just not happening. Sorry. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, again, like I said, I have no idea, and yeah. I, I'm all for people being okay. I just, I just had a private conversation with somebody the other day, and they said, "Wow, the number of people who come on your show that say they have ADHD is staggering." And I was like, "Is it a like?" I said, "Is it a thing, or is it like a social contagion almost?" You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, and by the way, if you have ADHD, don't get mad at me. I'm not saying you don't have it. <laughs> yeah, calm down. <laughs> like, but it's like yeah, it's yeah. okay. I'm not saying you don't have ADHD. I'm saying it's interesting. It's no, interesting. Yeah. I grew up. I didn't know anybody that had ADHD, and now I can't turn one way or the other without somebody saying to me like, "Oh, I have anxiety, or I have ADHD, or I have this." I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, is it possible we all have, like? I don't know. Are we calling something we already had something new? I have no idea. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Who knows? Not me. Who knows? Nope. <laughs> That's not my job. That's out of my job. I'm just asking the question. I have absolutely no idea and no opinion. I seriously don't, by the way. There's sometimes, you know, there's sometimes you listen to a podcast and you're like, the person will say, like, listen, I don't care about this one way or the other, but I think this. And you're like, ooh, it seems like you do care. It's like you have yeah, an yeah, opinion. Yeah, you're just there. trying to push your opinion <laughs> quietly. I really don't have an opinion. I just, it's just interesting to me, you know? So anyway, um, yeah, it makes listen. sense. It makes sense. You don't know. You thought you'd be a good diabetes educator. I can't, I can't yeah, take well, your, you know. I can't take you seriously <laughs> at all, Stephanie. I didn't think. <laughs> I, I didn't think that one through. You know, I probably would have been shocked because I used to also say to like the the professors, I'm like, because you have to take, uh, you have to spend X amount of hours with diabetics before you can even sit for the test to be a diabetic mm-hmm. educator. And then I said, I probably can sit for that test and pass it. And now I look back and I'm like, they were all sitting there and saying, she's a moron. <laughs> oh, okay, Stephanie. That's fine. Yeah. It's like, whatever, pat yeah. you on the head. <laughs> Listen, I'm imagining right now people are listening or in college or their kids are in college and thinking like, what did they major in? Like, was it something they wanted to be good at or something they were actually good at? And, you know, I think that's where you felt like you, you were obviously profoundly impacted and really wanted to help people. You know, and yeah. you skipped over the part where, where you might not been able. I don't know. It'd be like if LeBron James said he wanted to be an F one driver, I'd be like, <laughs> man, they don't make those cars big enough for you. <laughs> so no, like, they don't. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't do that. It's like you you can't yeah. fit in our cars. Uh, I'm sorry. Anyway, it's super interesting. All right, what what else did you want to talk about? I'm sorry. One of the things, and I th- listen, like I said, the memory is terrible, and it got worse after I had my daughter. One of the things I was interested to see, and I don't know how many, if there's, I know you had a couple episodes where there was couples. That would be something that's very interesting because now that, so one of my, my really extreme lows, my mom was in the car. It was actually the last time she was down here. My husband didn't know what to do. We've been married 13 years. He just kept yelling at me. What do you need? And my mom turns around and goes, you need to stop at that 7-Eleven and get her another juice. That's what you, because I happened to go through all my juices. We were out for the day. And she had to tell him because she, I mean, how many years had he, and it's not his first time. I I was with him for about a year and I had a a major Mm -hmm. blackout and I was at my mom's house. Um, That was before I was on the insulin pump. That's what made him suggest it more. And he didn't really know what to do. Like he was very confused. Like, well, I'm telling her, what does she need from me? And, and I said to him, like, you can't, you can't, 
you have to physically take something, put it in my hand, and then right. I will drink it. Like you physically like, and it's amazing because not that I'm secretive about my diabetes. I talk to everyone about because I like to. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Like if you know, I have it. I never realized. I never educated him along with myself on what to do. You know I, what um, I mean? I have an episode right now that I don't think is out yet. And um Okay. The woman has a seizure and and the oh, um no. and the and the fascinatingly uneducated way that her husband handles it is something. Like like I oh, just geez. like as she was talking about the whole pro- like the whole scenario I'm like how is it possible that somebody you've been with that long has this little understanding about what they're doing? And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm having the same thought now while you're talking. Like you, I mean, you said this just happened. You've been with this guy for a pretty long time. I mean, and he's doing the equivalent of me being, I don't know, passing a guy on the sidewalk who's uh, having a heart attack, clasping the grass in their chest. And I'm saying to him like, hey, do you have any idea what I should do for you? Like, you, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. um, it, that, yeah. that, it is really but to your point, I wonder if that's not the norm as well. It's not. It's not. It's been even my mother, like after, because we ended up going to dinner after I came, like, came because I was mm-hmm. conscious. Like, I wasn't like. No, I understand. Yeah. I was there, but I wasn't right. there, you know. Um, so she uh, she said, I haven't seen you that bad in years, Steph. And I said, no, I haven't been this bad in years. And I said to him, I'm like, I said to my mom, I said, you know what? worries me the most i said ken didn't know what to do and she goes steph how many have you had in front of him i'm like two maybe goes do you really expect when was the last one that you had like this and i said well not that bad but and i because he got up one morning it was years ago he got up he went to work and he brought because emma was still in daycare because he brought her to school he got up and I hadn't gotten out of bed yet. And he said, Steph, get out of bed. And I got out of bed and he's like, you were going really slow. And I ended up unconsciously because I was blacking in and out, going to the fridge and getting myself a juice. He, he didn't, know what happened. He didn't yeah. recognize it. And that was the thing. Like that was, Emma was yeah. two. No, not even. She was like less than a year old because we were, we moved when, uh, Emma was your a mom's. Year. I think your mom's and, point was is that he didn't grow up with you with this. He's also not mm-hmm. your parent. He doesn't care about you the way I do. Yes, and you know, and you haven't told him. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. It's it's the last couple of ones he's been around for, and this time he was like, "Stuff, something's wrong. You need to go get a juice." He's like, "What's your sugars?" And I'm like, and I just looked at him. And he goes, "Go get a juice." And so then we walked downstairs and that's when I said, Emma, get me a juice. And she got me a juice. And, but he, he's getting better at least recognizing yeah. my signs. So, I mean, not that I wanted to keep happening, right. but, but you know, at least, at least. But have you um, ever stopped and sat down and said to him, Hey, this is, you know, could end up being a problem one day that maybe I should just explain this to you. I, I did the one, the last one when my mom was here, I said, listen, I need to talk to you. I said, what happened today can't happen again. I said, if I am like that, you need to just get me right. juice. Or if I end up collapsing, because I got one of those, um, the emergency kit, because I hadn't carried one A with me in years. And then I heard the the one-year ads for the one that's oh, like an EpiPen. Hold on, Jeepo Kaipo pen. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> May I just say, 
chiefo-pen.com. No, no, hold on, hold on. Chiefo.com. Yes. No, Chief. How do I not know this? <laughs> oh my gosh, this isn't. This is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I couldn't remember the name. No, so I mean, I say these things constantly. <laughs> and then, but I say them in a, in a specific time. And I guess that yep. out of out of rhythm, I don't even know. I'm incredibly... <laughs> I caught I'm, you off guard. I'm sorry. Uh, it's jivoglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You have to say it that voice. <laughs> there you go. Your whole voice changes. Yeah, I got to do that voice, right? I can't think of it. Before you keep talking, I just put out an episode about like when to use Chivoke because oh, okay. I had that conversation with the other person I was talking to. And I went back to Chivoke and I said to them like, hey, are you interested in like getting together with me and doing like a real informative half hour like me and Jenny? Because I really don't think people know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm worried, well, you know. Well, that was the thing. Like I got... When the the inhaled one Mm -hmm. came out, I got that one because my doctor is always big on me carrying one, but I haven't for a while. And he's like, listen, he's like, this inhaled one came out. Why don't you get it? And I said, okay, so if I'm like unconscious, you just spray it in my nose. And he goes, no, this one's actually for if you're having one of your little blackouts, you can use it then. Inhaled through your nose, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then. I never used it, like, right. thank God, knock on wood. Then I got these, and I have three of them, because my insurance paid for three, so right. why not get three? And so I'm going to throw one in my purse, because there's a, a doctor in my office that always, she has a husband that's mm-hmm. type one, and knows even totally less than me. <laughs> like, like, it's insane. And I'm like, try the Juice Box podcast. And she goes, what? I don't listen to podcasts. I'm like, just do it. <laughs> I'm like, if you want, give me your cell phone number. I'll send you the link, please. You're making me feel it, like I'm the I'm, only one that cares about all of you. <laughs> like, like, yeah, well, you do. You No, you but I mean, seriously, like, is no one it. worried about themselves? Am I the only one? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. But this woman was hilarious. She said something the other day. And I was like, because he's, he's trying to get mm-hmm. Omnipod. And I'm like, well, I don't have that. I have the, the tubed one, but. You know, and I explained to that your daughter has it. She's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, seriously, please just listen to it. And then I said to her that I got I got that. And she's like, what's that? I'm like, well, it's like an EpiPen. And she's like, what do you mean? I go, you know how like the emergency kits come in the red thing? She goes, yeah. She goes, I have no clue how to use it. I'm like, oh, well, get this one because it does everything for you, basically. Thank you. May I just say something right now? Um, if the advertisers yes. are listening. This is an example of where Stephanie's friend is going to end up buying in this situation an Omnipod, and I'm not going to get credit for it. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have said, go to his But link, I please. sold that Omnipod, okay? Yep. I Take that into account next time I tell you the price is going up. All of you. Not just, I'm not just talking Omnipod. I'm talking to all of you. Yeah. I got one, two, one, two. There are a few advertisers who really understand something that in advertising they call the halo effect, and then there are yeah. some who fight me on it. And I'm like, listen, okay. when someone's in their doctor's office and they go, hey, give me one of those in pens, that was me. <laughs> but they didn't use my clicky clicky. And then you're all like, eh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Anyway, that's all. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 the thing. Like now, now that I got this new toy, I like to call it, I have to show my husband. I have to be like, listen, this is what you do. If I'm unconscious, but I'm going to listen to that podcast. Episode seven eighty nine. You, as a matter of fact, you can let him listen to it. Like, 
yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send him a link because every once in a while, if there's an episode that I find educating mm-hmm. to me that he should listen to, I send it to him. I don't know if he listens well, to it, but I mean, I'm not even know. making this up for me. I, everyone listening should send episode 789 to loved ones and be like, listen, whether I use this glucagon or I use a different glucagon, everything about this is basically apples to apples, except the uh, the actual administration yes. of it. But no kidding. Like, your conversation is making me so upset tonight. <laughs> like, because, no, it's, I'm not, sorry, it's not your fault. It's because I'm like, how, how are so many people wandering around don't know how to use their glucagon? Or how are there so many people wandering around married to people who have diabetes? They don't even know how to handle a simple situation. Like, it's not just your, it's not just your guy. You know what I mean? Like, and I think what it is too is in some cases, not mine, like you don't want to be a burden to that person. You don't want to be like, oh, well, now it's your turn to take this burden on. My theory with the whole thing, why? And again, I guess I'm not giving him enough burden because he has no clue how to take care of that. But he's gotten better the last couple of times. So I have to remember, I have to talk to him about it and I have to be like, hey, listen, this is if I'm this is what you have to do if I'm low, if you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I think what the problem is like people get married and it's not like, oh, it's my parent because like I would have bad lows and I would call yeah. my mom and I'd be like, hey, ma, I had a bad low last night. And and, you know, she goes, well, what did you do? And we would go down the list to figure out why mm-hmm. I had the low. Like he's that's not the involved thing. in that conversation. He's not involved in that conversation because it's easier to talk to someone that understands it. And now that sad enough that she's not around, he has to be educated in this because God forbid. And I've said this to him before. I said, what would happen if I got, I don't know, God forbid, hit by a car or fell down the stairs and was paralyzed and couldn't change my own insulin pump? Yeah. What would you do? Um. Yeah. He doesn't know. He has no yeah. clue what to do. And that's like uh, my pump therapist said like a while ago, I am going to send this to my dad, but I do have to tell the story. When I first got the insulin pump, when I was in the pediatrician endocrinologist, they said, you need to bring the family members that you live with or you are with constantly. Mm-hmm. So I brought my husband, which was my boyfriend at the time and my dad. And I was living with my dad. And my dad turned to the pump therapist and asked if my blood sugar, so if blood sugar changes, I think he put it as, would affect my mood. And I was like, we both looked at him. He's known us, known me my whole life. And the, the pump therapist was like, yes. Like, yeah, she, she'll be moody when she's high or when she's low, depending on how her body reacts. And like, it was just... It's amazing someone even being in your life entirely if they're not involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know that's as simple as, you know, that. And it's it's not a judgment on him. It's just my mom took, I think, 90.9% of the care was on her because she was a stay-at-home mom. She was Mm -hmm. able to, if I needed anything. But that's the thing. Yeah, you just have to tell people. That's Like, you have to, and you have to find a way to impress upon them that what you're talking about is not frivolous, that it's it's very serious, mm-hmm. that it could be life or death, and that, you know, just please commit this to memory, y- you know. Um, yep. I mean, I have that episode in the Pro Tip series. Uh, I think it's, I, I can find it real quick. It's called Explaining Type 1. It's episode 371 that you can send it to somebody who doesn't have diabetes, and it's Jenny and I just kind of telling a person, like, 
look, this is yeah. what it's like to have diabetes. And, you know, I think that can be helpful. But again, like you said, you send things to people, you don't know if they'll listen to them or not. It's all very. Exactly. And I think, you know, honestly, I think eventually he does mm-hmm. listen to them. But does he say he listens to it? No. But, you know, that's something I think the, that as even anyone that's in a relationship, whether it be boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, any committed relationship, if you're spending more than a couple of days with this person a week, you need to let them know, hey, this is what I have. And I know it's not easy. I know people have this stipulation on you're a diabetic and people are not going to want to be with you. But that person, I think you've said it before, if that person doesn't want to be with you as a diabetic, they're not Right. right for you. Because years down the road, <laughs> they're not going to be in your life. As if you had red hair and somebody didn't like redheads, that's not the right person for you. you exactly. Know, it's just that easy. Exactly. You know, and he, my husband's a wonderful man. He's a wonderful father to my daughter. I mean, during the postpartum depression, he, he, he helped me extremely with that. And I wouldn't give him up for life, but I need to myself. My error was not educating him enough through the years that I've been with him. And that's where I think one of my issues was. Okay. Well, I appreciate you very much sharing this with me and for taking the time and for doing it on a Saturday night and all that stuff. Um, I actually found this really like thought provoking and, um, and I think it's important for people to think about what you, what you were explaining today. You can't just walk around being the only person who understands what's happening to you. So exactly. Because you, you end up being unconscious on the street because as much as we live in a world that you have people in your life, if they don't know how to handle it, calling 911, yes, will help, but 911 will not be there quick enough if you are that gone. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, know? I, I, listen, this was perfect. Thank you very much. I, I, I we're done. This was perfect. Leave it right here. T- t- yeah. T- t- perfect. T- just <laughs> tell somebody, explain it to them, make yep. them understand. If they don't want to understand, find somebody that does want to understand, but don't just walk around hoping that the guy or the girl or whoever standing next to you is going to like magically pull some, you know, pull something out of their ass when you need it. You know what I mean? Like be sure they know what it is, where it is and how to use it. So, all right. Exactly. That's a great, that's a great thing to share. All right. Stephanie, thanks so much. Can you hold on for one second for me? Thanks. Of course. Hey, how about Stephanie coming through with a hell of a story? Thank you much. Thank you much, much. I was going to say thank you much. What am I? Am I 12? Thank you so much, Stephanie. Appreciate you. What was I going to say? What was I about to do? Thanks so much, Stephanie, for telling your story. I've gotten off track here. I also want to thank the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter and remind you to go to contournext.com forward slash juice box. Get yourself an accurate meter. You deserve it. A diabetes diagnosis comes with a lot of new terminology, and that's why I've created the Defining Diabetes series. These are short episodes where Jenny Smith and I go over all of the terms that you're going to hear living with diabetes, and some of them that you might not hear every day. From the very simple bolus up to feet on the floor. Don't know the difference between hypo and hyper? We'll explain it to you. These are short episodes. They are not boring. They're fun. And they're informative. It's not just us reading to you out of the dictionary. We take the time to chat about all of these different words. Maybe you don't know what a Kussmaul respiration is. You will when you're done. Ever heard of a glycemic index and load? 
Haven't? Doesn't matter. You'll know after you listen to the Defining Diabetes series. Now, how do you find it? You go to juiceboxpodcast.com, up top to the menu, and click on Defining Diabetes. You'll be able to listen right there in your browser, or you'll see the full list of the episodes and be able to go into an audio app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify and listen to them at your pace. Download them into your phone and listen when you can. The Defining Diabetes series is made up of 51 short episodes that will fast forward your knowledge of diabetes terminology. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.